Cape Inn Report, and I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. Our topic is the college admissions experience, and here with me around the table is Bev Lowe, Director of Guidance and College Counseling at Manchester Essex Regional High School. Hi, Maureen. Hello, Bev. Welcome. Um, and Joan Lockwood, who's an academic life coach. We'll hear more about what that is all about from you, Joan. And Megan Monaco, the Hi. Director of Admissions at Endicott College. Mm -hmm. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for having us. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. All right, are you ready to chat about this most important? <laughs> oh, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let, let's, let's dig in. So the college admissions process is um, anxiety provoking, but it's also such a great experience. So let's try to balance both of those mm -hmm. things and find and dig a little deeper on some of this. Um, so Bev, I'm going to start with mm -hmm. you because you're the director of guidance yeah. at Manchester Essex and it's the high school. It's so like really where everything begins. Yeah. You've got a lot of students applying to colleges right now. What's happening? We're in the thick of it, Maureen. I would say um, we're such a small school. We have about 108 seniors. And I, I was saying earlier to a colleague, I think about 80 have applied early. And what early is, so we've got November 1 and November 15 deadlines. So we're really, today being the 13th, we're kind of right jammed in there. So some students are relieved that they're finished with the process, or at least in, for a time being, and they get a little time out. Others are, are kind of, you know, waiting it out a little bit, and we'll sprinkle a few early applications in. And I would say that the, um, the, the, the tide has, has shifted where they're on the other side of it now, kind of, you know, now they're anxious about when am I going to hear? Um, is my portal at this college all set up? And making sure all the materials are in. Um, we try to, you know, kind of lessen that 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 fear of the, you know not hearing back soon and letting them find them other things to do to occupy their time. Mm -hmm. But it's been busy. I mean, I think I would say at Manchester Essex Regional High School, we've seen an increase over the five going into six years that I've worked there. More and more students will apply to at least one school early, and you know they might kind of space that out a little bit, but I would say a majority of the applications are signed, sealed, and delivered. Yep. So I've heard uh, sort of a mixed bag about uh, early admissions. Is mm -hmm. it something that um, students should absolutely do, like you said one, or yeah. uh, Megan? What, what do you see as a, as a dean of admission? Do you do you see a lot of students applying early to Endicott? We do. We do have uh, quite a number of applications on my desk that need reviewing at this point. But um, I think it depends on the student and really, you know, what their time frame is like. Have they done their research? Mm -hmm. Are they ready? Um, I think one thing that students have to remember is how the senior year grades might play into an early application or not, um, that mm. in most circumstances that first marking period of their senior year won't be considered. Um, and for some students that's fine, but for some that maybe have gotten better and better each year, mm -hmm. that senior mm -hmm. year could really be mm -hmm. impactful um, for their admission mm -hmm. decision. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that, that that full senior transcript might not necessarily be available during the admissions process for the early decision? Right. Right. Exactly, yeah. Usually, if we see senior grades, it might be the first quarter or the first semester, um, depending on the time frame. Mm -hmm. And um, is, there, uh, is there anything that a student should know about that? You know, it's a commitment, right? Mm -hmm. If you get accepted mm -hmm. early decision and you make a commitment? We, I think a lot of schools, and we're one of them, we do a summer boot camp with our, our seniors, and we go through a little bit, we, you know, we explain what early action is, early decision, which is a binding agreement. If a student 
it's, it, those are tough conversations to have sometimes. I'm looking at Joan, I know she's had them and I know Megan has with a student who has that one school and they want to go early decision. And I actually grill them and I say, all right, you understand what that means. You know, everything else, if you are accepted, you're going. So I think that's a big decision to make at 17. So we, we proceed with caution. And I think that's why the common application, if they use that, requires the parent, the counselor, to sign off to make sure that everybody's aware what that commitment is. Mm -hmm. That being said, I kind of like the schools with rolling admission, and I like to see our students have a balance of some early and some regular and even a couple rolling admission schools. Yeah, Joan, just to bring I, you into the conversation. I there. think also <laughs> for the early decision, uh, it's a financial consideration yes. as well. Yes. So if you apply early decision, you've bound and you really don't allow yourself the opportunity to see other financial packages that might be offered to you, whether mm -hmm. they be merit money or need-based money. Mm -hmm. So what's the average number of schools that, uh, <laughs> and I only ask because mm -hmm. I, have, uh, I have three boys and two of them are that mm -hmm. went through the college process with them. And I had one that applied to three, and I had another who applied to ten, and yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" What? I heard about twenty-seven. Yeah. Not so one of the average. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, so, no but there's some, extremes, there right? Are, yeah. So there twenty-seven yeah. just seemed extreme, and I was yeah, thinking, like, "Oh my God, all of them cost." I'll tell you a story. <laughs> my first year in working in public uh, secondary ed at Manchester Essex, I'd come from the college side of things for a, a long time. And I had one young man apply. Well, you were the dean of first-year first students first year at students. Colgate University. Yeah. Um, so flipping over, I was astounded. I had a couple of students. One young man, I remember distinctly, had 22 schools on his list and had applied to all of them. But this is, I had kind of come in towards the, the he'd started the process with the, my predecessor. And um, he started hearing back from schools, and he couldn't remember why he had applied to a couple of them to start with and that kind of sent a light bulb off for me saying okay we need to look at this you know and I think 9 to 12 max is probably mm -hmm. what what we try to yeah. suggest and and have a good spread like have you know I, what I say to my students is every school on your list you should absolutely see yourself attending like the, if, if you can't if you cannot picture yourself on that campus, it probably shouldn't be on the list. Mm -hmm. what, yeah. for, what about students and parents who aren't able to make those college trips? I mean, far away, mm -hmm. like you're applying to some, like, you know, University of Michigan or Alaska. Alaska <laughs> or Alabama or California, you know, what, what is that like? I think you can express an interest in the school in other ways. You can certainly do research. You can do their virtual tours, reach out to admission representatives. <coughs> admission representatives typically mm -hmm. come to your school or your yeah. high school. And I think that's really the best way to do it. But you're right, people do get a little... And after a student's been offered admission, there are a lot more types of campus visits that we'll offer them mm -hmm. that we wouldn't necessarily offer to them as prospective students. Like what? So, you know, you have an accepted student's day, which is more of a celebration, right. or, you know, mm -hmm. we can't accommodate, due to our volume, a day visit for every prospective student, but we could do that for a student that has been offered admission. Or we'll run other accepted student programs that are academic program specific. So you can really dig deep on what you're thinking about studying. So that's one example we do, but many other institutions do other things. The other thing, Maureen, I think is really, we're fortunate where we live, you know, Cape Ann, North Shore, New England in, in general with all the colleges and universities. And so many of larger universities have New England area regional representatives. So, 
University of South Carolina, I'll use as an example, their rep might live in Alston, but they come and they do all of the regional activities. So they are, we, had, we were visited by Hofstra today at our school and their rep said, call anytime if there's anyone that wants to have a chat with me. So I think more and more, I th don't you think there's a shift oh, in that, John? I see more and more regional representatives that are much more accessible. Mm -hmm. And John, they're amazing because they will, you know, they'll meet you at a Panera or a Starbucks and yep. So I think that's the best way is just to get the connection that mm -hmm. way. Um, let's let's talk about the student experience for a little bit um, with the college application mm -hmm. process. I mean, the volume is there. The you know you could you really can apply to twenty seven students, <laughs> twenty seven <laughs> colleges. You might not get in, but uh, you know at least you've got maybe one acceptance yeah. coming through, right? Uh, but the college, the college admissions process, the applications going in, it can be incredibly stressful. It can be stressful for the student. Um, but also the parent. Now let's talk about the student experience first and then we'll get to the parent experience. Joan? Um, so with the student experience, I think the most important thing is really, you're talking just about the application as opposed yeah. to, um, yeah. is showing yourself authentically and really thinking about who you are, what you're interested in, what you're maybe interested in studying or not studying, and just making sure that that is really conveyed through the application and through the essay, especially, I think. I, what's the best way to do that right hmm. now? Well, what when, are you telling? When I'm advising with, your this, the students, when I work with a student, with. I just I say, tell a story. Hmm. It's really meant to be a narrative or a story. You're not out to impress. It doesn't have to be, you know, perfectly written. It just needs to convey something to the admission person and the admission committee that tells them a little bit more that they would never get otherwise through the activity section or the other part of their application. Yeah. Make it? Yeah, so for the essay, we see lots and we read everything um, that comes across our desk. And what I always tell students is, are you responding to the essay statement or question? Mm -hmm. um, that's a big one. Um, and also that it's very well written, that will go a long way, um, making sure grammatically it's okay, spelling, believe it or not, I've seen several typos and that's not always a good first impression for us. Um, but I also think topic-wise, it can be, I think, daunting for a high school student to think about what that topic is. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be serious. It's great to make us laugh. We see a lot of serious topics. Um, as long as we are getting to know um, know the student in the in the essay and seeing what they are going to be bringing to our campus. Um, you know, it, we are people, you know, we don't think that you need to have had some very traumatic things happen in your life. Um, we just want to get to know you as a student a little bit better. Do you have a favorite that you can oh. recall? Oh. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. I am putting you on um, the spot. <laughs> you know, some of my favorites have really been very well thought out, well written essays. Um, Probably the topic that would stand out to me the most was a student writing about her favorite flavor of ice cream. Um, <laughs> and she was very detailed in each component of the ice cream really was something about herself. Um, you know, I've also read one about a young man who preferred a certain way that he wore his hair every day and that's because it differentiated him from his twin brother. Um, so, you know, those types of things are really interesting to us. Um, Again, we don't necessarily think at 17 or 18 years old you should have had a traumatic thing happen mm -hmm. to you, but oftentimes I think that's what they 
think they need to write yeah. it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So Bev, what, yeah. what's it like when you're counseling students as they're coming up to the, you're, yeah. you're either seeing the essay or yeah. they've written it in English class or writing class? So we, we're fortunate in a school that our English teachers are very involved and, they, and in particular a couple of them are offering that portion of the class time to, to work on that. And we do the boot camp in August and there's a lot of information out there on essay writing and you know, I, I like to think of my job more as a curator this time of year some ways, like pulling out some information to share with them. Um, I try, when I talk to students about the essay, I say, picture yourself, you're reading thousands of these. How, what, what distinguishes you? Um, think of yourself as the reader. What would you want that person to know? You're looking at schools, they're looking at you, and you're looking for fit, and I think you know, colleges are probably, they want people to come and stay, so they're, they're getting some clues from that, that written portion. Um, I also, it's hard to say to a high school senior to not overthink things, and it's like kind of, I get the eye roll, like, oh, and, and uh, you know, trying to just tamper that down a little bit and just say, write from your heart, like, just free write for a while. I was working with one senior who's, who's not rushing herself through the process, which is great because she's she's a solid student and she's just like I've, I've got a good vibe going and, and we talked about how her writing process and almost mind mapping like she started to draw in circles and kind of her story started to come together and I, I got a peek at it and I think it's pretty pretty terrific but it is absolutely a hundred percent her and it, it's it's really great to see that happen but I think the message I guess Maureen is Everybody will come at this from different angles. And there's also the procrastinators that I'm sure Joan has worked with and, you know, uh, others. It's like, um, I'll just do it the night before I hit the send button. Yeah, some of us yeah. have, have, <laughs> uh, have experienced that. But I, yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I think that that unique voice is important. I, we always emphasize that. Yeah. Okay, so, so um, let's talk about the parent experience because it, it does, the college admission process, um, does involve parents. Uh, students need guidance. They need help navigating yeah. things, and it's really important to be that uh, support person for the student as they go through it. But parents can also um, be over-involved, and so I wanted to address that because uh, the three of you being experts in this area, um, what, what do you have to say to parents to help them to define some boundaries for themselves? Do you want to take that? Uh, it's, it's, you know, at, at the public school level, you know, we, we're a community. I mean, and we when the best situations are when we're able to partner with parents, and we invite families in readily, like, come in junior year, let's talk about this now. Whenever possible, my staff and I try to, you know, say, you know, we want this to be, you know, the, the student's process, but we definitely, you know, obviously you're going to be involved. But a lot of it, Maureen, is answering questions. And, and once you get past some of the, the very basic, well, what if, or this school, or how about this, and it starts to take shape, um, they play much more of a supportive role. But those can be tough conversations. Um, Especially um, around the list. Yeah, around, is this, the, is the list, is this the right list? What's a reach school? You know, the, the terms that get tossed around in the community, too. And I think that um, more and more we're trying to get the families to look at what's best for that student. And it's definitely a family, the whole family's involved, because if they're going to visit campuses, the siblings are probably going, too. So we talk a little bit about that. And it's a financial that. decision. Yeah, yeah, it's a financial I mean, decision. I mean, that's so important, um, especially now, mm -hmm, so that yeah. there's, 
the parent is more than likely going to be paying for some part of the yeah. college, whether that's um, you know total financial support for tuition or partial yeah. tuition and loans. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you are able to afford a college mm -hmm. education. But we know that students are coming out with lots of debt yeah. from different kinds of colleges. Parents are taking on extreme debt. Mm -hmm. um, so there is this this balance, this this partnership yeah. that they end up doing. But like I said, oftentimes parents can overstep mm -hmm. in, the, in the process. Can you give me some examples of, again, the boundaries that, that you've well, seen crossed? Just some examples. I think uh, for me is, you know, you have work on the Comet application and it's really meant to be done by the student mm -hmm. and it's their work and you can definitely tell at times when a parent has done some of the common application, or you may be reading an essay, or maybe you finished an essay, and mm -hmm. an essay is terrific, and then the parent sees it, and all of a sudden, they're saying, but wait, why mm. are we writing about this? And mm -hmm. so it's that type of thing, yeah. which we say. Megan, what have you seen? It does become very clear to us when a parent has filled out the application, or you know, they will call and say, I filled in my birth date instead of my son or daughter's mm. and you know trust trust your students you know yeah. they um, do have the ability to navigate this process and I think as parents we sometimes need to manage our expectations of mm -hmm. um, what we expect out of this process you know this is the experience for your son or daughter it's not your experience mm -hmm. um, so really letting them lead the way. Um, we love to get to know high school students and that's our job. You know, we know how to talk to a high school senior. Mm -hmm. um, we don't need mom or dad there mm -hmm. as well. Um, mm -hmm. We, we want to get to know that student um, in their authentic self. Mm -hmm. um, One of the things that strikes me, it comes to mind from a few years ago, and this is you know, picking up the phone and actually calling the, the vice president uh, at a, of admission at a, a small college in Pennsylvania and, and, and talking about a student had been waitlisted and I just wanted a little information. I happened to know this person and um, this dean of enrollment management said, have the student call us, have them call mm -hmm. me. Um, I do not want to talk to the mother or the father. They want to, they're trying to connect with that student to explain why he or she might be waitlisted, but also to give them a few tips and strategies perhaps, or some feedback, and they want to give that directly to the student. It's very, I think it's, it's your child. They're going off to college and you have them at home for the summer and your instinct is to call and try to fix things for them during the process, the application process. Student gets a rejection letter, your instinct is, well, I need to find out why. No, hit, hit the pause button, take a breath. Wait 24 hours. Wait 24 <laughs> hours before you shoot off an email. But, you know, and we talk with the students about that because they really want to make that connection. Well, and also, I was going to, talking about this earlier, um, it's important because they're transitioning to college. Yeah. So if yep. you're too involved in the process mm -hmm. itself, what's going to happen when they actually do fly off and launch? They won't have the skills to, to advocate for themselves and what mm -hmm. they need. Um, we are, mm -hmm. We're seeing more and more of that, that parents are still involved at the college level. And, you know, certainly, yes, you are paying for some of that education, but, you know, eventually a student, your son or daughter, is going to have to navigate life on their own. So mm -hmm. college is a good mm -hmm. launching launching point to yeah. start that process. I mm -hmm. say sometimes if you swoop in and fix things or move like the snowplow or move things out of the way, 
you're robbing the student of some educational opportunities because we all have been there. We've all learned from our mistakes, hopefully, or when we're uncomfortable and what the learning that comes from that. And so um, rather than insulating, letting them like, you know, fall down and scrape the knees every once in a while. That's scary. I get it. But in the end, as a former college dean on the receiving end of an incoming first year class, I know that mm -hmm. the students who worked part time, um, volunteered, did things where they had to report to someone other than a parent, show up on time, dressed appropriately, and have had to, not maybe they didn't have to work, but they chose to tend to adjust better to college. So that's another thing we've been talking yeah. about during this. It's also great, you've got work experience, you can get a job when you go to college and meet some of the community members, and you know, comes back to that financial piece too. So. Yeah, um, Joan, I want to go back to something that you mentioned that you know, students are academically strong, mm. um, but they lack in uh, social and emotional um, skills oftentimes. This goes back to like those soft skills that students really need to have. There's so much pressure on the AP classes, the academic um, the data points. portfolio, yeah, yeah the, the GPAs yeah. and all of that push that these other things that shaking someone's hand, you know, like you were saying mm -hmm. um, earlier, mm -hmm. how do you see that? playing out in student applications and the folks that you coach? Um, I try to um, get them away from, again, thinking about just specifically the data points. And there are opportunities throughout the application to talk about character. As a matter of fact, there's a, mm -hmm. we were just talking about this mm -hmm. earlier, there's an organization called the Character Collaborative that's been put together yeah. to figure out how is it Big that fan. we can start yeah. thinking about assessing character and how can the colleges start doing that. Mm -hmm. So you can do that really, I would say, throughout the essay. And then I think back to how you communicate with admission representatives mm -hmm. and making sure, talk about the email. What are we, we going to say in the email? Mm -hmm. Let's write the email. And some of the students really need your help and guidance to do that. But once they do it once, mm -hmm. it's amazing to see their confidence and just how excited they get that they've sent it. And, oh, I'm going to do it for more. Just make yeah. sure you spell check. And yeah. also, you know, right. to, um, yeah. work on the interview. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, interview. the interview skills. Yeah. So how well. important is the interview in the admissions process? So the interview, you know, not every institution out there mm -hmm. offers it college interviews as part of the process. Um, and for us, they happen to be optional. So um, I think that they can be helpful for students um, if they need to explain something or they want to explain that, you know, for their top choice, that's always great to hear. Um, I don't think that it ne necessarily is going to be the thing that propels them forward um, or holds them back, but it definitely is a nice opportunity for us to connect and meet with the students. I do also think the interview is nice for a student to get to know the college a little mm -hmm. bit better mm -hmm. as well. You know, the larger information sessions are great. You get to know some general information, mm -hmm. you get to go on tour, but we don't get to know anything about you. Um, we get to know about you, and then you can ask us questions that are really specific to your college search process. You know, if there's a specific extracurricular club that you're really interested in, we can talk about that in greater depth mm -hmm. than we could in the bigger tour setting. Mm -hmm. And you obviously get a sense of that student's character as you're interacting with them. Mm -hmm. um, what about Skype interviews mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. you know other yeah. type of video yeah. uh, interchange? That's, yeah. uh, That's uh, getting more popular. Yeah. Yeah. Technology yeah. is out there, and yeah, yeah we're getting, gaining some of those capabilities yeah. as well. So yeah. we've had a few mm -hmm. students, some um, you know, schools on the Mid Atlantic or even the Southeast that would you know just do a quick informational interview, mm -hmm. uh, preliminary uh, things like that. Yeah. So. 
Um, I did a mock interview today with one of our seniors. He's got an interview. We see a lot of alumni interviews mm -hmm. too, and I think that's popular with certain colleges. And they'll send an alum out to just, you know just really get a feel for the student. And um, those are, tend to be more informational too. Um, we you know there's one thing there's kind of a, a catchphrase out there now: demonstrated interest, interest, which we hear from some colleges and. You know, it, it does it come into play in the admission process? Well, not, they say not really, but it's at a smaller school. Let's say there were two students, student A and student B look identical. The data points are identical, GPA, da, da. But student B has never been to campus, but student A has. Does, is that a factor? So there's no, you know, analytics on that, but it's kind of, it's out there. And our students do talk about, am I demonstrating enough interest? Mm -hmm. We've got a couple of minutes left, and I, I wanted to touch on on this because I think it's important that students also have a choice, mm -hmm. right? Um, as the pressure builds for college, because the pressure is there all through their high school, um, focusing on being in high school and staying present and being in those moments, right? But also, as that pressure mounts, as the college application process is happening, that some students just need to stop <laughs> and hit <laughs> the pause button, right? Um, <laughs> Gap years mm -hmm. are great for that sort of um, exploration, um, that breathing out uh, for a little while and going on a different experiences. I'm so glad to see that those are happening now. Or even going to work for a year. Um, also, maybe not going to college at all. And I, Joan, could you uh, kick us off on this? What, do you, what are students doing that you're seeing? I'm finding students, um, which gap years are definitely probably the more popular. Mm -hmm. Some students are choosing to go to community college for two mm -hmm. years. Or more. Um, some students are really finding a trade that they might be interested in and doing that. And then there are students, to your point, who just want to go and try to work and earn some money or do the community college and then, you know, earn some money so that they can help pay for college. Yeah. It's, it's hard to convince a, a group of 17-year-olds that they might <clears throat> hit their stride at different times. But once they start to recognize that, and that you know there, there are more and more opportunities and interesting gap years out that gap year programs out there yeah yeah and you can research are. them yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, yeah it's just it's there's a, a gap year association yep and a fair fact. too yeah. there's yeah. Yeah. yeah and from the college admission perspective that is only adding to a student's level of maturity right. how that well yeah. they know themselves and that they are actually even yeah. more committed to this academic program mm -hmm. or um, this particular four-year degree that they mm -hmm. might be choosing. Yeah, Definitely. And just a, as a last comment from all of you, um, Bev, you, you said that uh, you love the undecided. I do. You love the undecided. And so I, I wanted to just bring that up yeah. to you and uh, to everyone mm -hmm. um, here to talk about the undecided mm -hmm. because you don't always have to have your major picked out when you're 17 or even when you're mm -hmm. applying to college. Mm -hmm. So years ago I, I just reached out to like 50 sophomores that I had had when I worked at Colgate and said what what advice would you give your first year freshman year self and so many of them talked about not locking in and just being like trying a bunch of courses and on the other side asking students were there one or two courses they might like to take I like undecided because the brain is still developing at 17 and there's just so many opportunities in college to explore um, I think that it's it's hard to convince sometimes the families to go that route because they want to see well well what like I was told what are you going to do with an English degree and I I think I turned out okay but we'll see about the jury's still out on that but um, 
I encourage exploration. And I think that never again, I say to them, never again in your life will you have four years, this pocket of time, whatever you choose to do, or five or six years if you do a gap year, where you can just try anything mm -hmm. and don't lock in early. Like mm -hmm. you can always change later, you know. Yeah, and Joan, just a few seconds left, and what do you think about the undecided? Um, I, I think it's great, and I agree with you. It's, uh, I think students today are so um, geared toward success, what they deem as success, mm -hmm. and this goal orientation that go out and explore and try to figure out what What's your purpose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think you know the liberal arts experience can be really eye-opening to a lot of students, and they can kind of discover what they're passionate about through those liberal arts courses that they might be forced to take. <laughs> yeah. um, but they are recognizing all of a sudden that they are mm -hmm. really passionate about a particular art, you know, or um, mm -hmm. a business program. You never know um, yeah. what that could be, but can do a, quite a bit with a liberal arts education. Mm -hmm. so. That's great. Well, Megan Monaco, Dean of Admission at Endicott College, and Joan Lockwood, an academic life coach, Bev Lowe, uh, Director of Guidance and mm -hmm. College Counseling yeah. at Manchester Essex Regional High School. Thank you so much for being here this in Cape Great Report. We could have talked forever. I know. I, know, I, I told you to go <laughs> I know. It's wonderful to have you here. Thanks for tuning in. You can check out um, all of our other programs on 1623studios.org, on our YouTube page.